What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast as we will talk some Dallas Cowboys football and things surrounding the Cowboys. And, of course, the news of the week is Tony Romo making the tra- transition from one of the quarterbacks of America's team to the broadcast booth of CBS. Uh, in fact, Romo will be in uniform tonight for the Mavericks as a honorary Maverick as they wrap up their season at the American Airlines Center. In fact, he just got off the podium. Uh, we heard a little bit of that press conference. We'll comment about that a little bit later. But first... Barry Horn, Kevin Sherrington in studio with me, and we are joined by Ed Gorin, the former president of Fox Sports, on the phone line. And Ed, thanks for the time this morning. And you know a little bit of something about uh, a former quarterback heading into the booth as you uh, helped usher Troy Aikman in the transition of his career. Could you talk a little bit about uh, that experience? Uh, well, it was a, a great experience. Uh, while Troy was still an active player, uh, back at that time, Fox uh, was required to cover. Uh, NFL Europe games, and I reached out to Troy, asked him if he'd be interested in going over to Germany to do an NFL Europe game. Uh, he had one request, and uh, that was uh, if I could pair him with uh, Brad Sham, who all you guys know, and I'd known Brad for uh, quite a while, and I said, no problem. Uh, so that was his first football game experience and the way Troy tells the story is that he figured why not you know what I'm going to have Fox pay for my trip to Europe I'll play some golf with Brad and uh, do a game and uh, it should be fun well first off doing an NFL Europe game is a lot more difficult than doing an NFL game because you find yourself looking down at the field saying, who are these guys? So it required a lot of preparation. Uh, Troy, being the professional that he is, uh, put in the time, didn't really get to play much golf, if any, and had an outstanding experience uh, broadcasting the game. In fact, uh, we were doing multiple games from Europe that weekend, and... I for I t- tuned in his game, and I couldn't believe I was listening to Troy. Uh, he just uh, was outstanding, and I tracked Troy and uh, Brad and the, the production team down later that day in a bar in Germany to tell them how pleased I was with the broadcast. So that was his first experience, and of course, uh, once he retired, uh, he wasn't necessarily even thinking about Uh, going into broadcasting. Uh, I think we spent the day in Palm Desert on a golf course talking really about life after football without uh, specific 
broadcasting. And uh, at some point along the way, I reached out to him to see if he'd be interested uh, in going into the booth. And he was willing to give it a try. And as they say, the rest is history. Ed, would you put Troy... Uh in in your eighteen booth or your you know of course the situation was different you had a guy named John Madden in your in your lead booth but what about the fact that CBS is going to put Tony in the hot seat right off the bat? I think it's a challenge uh, when uh, Troy's first year and I I ran a, a, basically a retirement home for former Cowboys. <laughs> I mean I. I I, I had Jimmy Johnson, I had uh, Daryl Moose, uh, Troy, uh, and actually Michael Irvin at one point. And, uh, so I think that with Tony, uh, he'll do well. Uh, I think that uh, the easier transition is uh, to be on a pregame set, and I think Tony would have been outstanding in that role, uh, and it would have been uh, a lot more comfortable at the outset. Uh, it's going to be a learning process. I mean, think of a, think of a rookie quarterback playing his first game, and at the end of the day, you're going to look back and he, you're going to say, you know, he had a couple great passes, he called a couple great audibles, and then he had a lot of uh, non-positive plays. Well, I, I think you'll see that over the course of a three-hour NFL broadcast and with a rookie broadcaster, you're going to find that whether he's in the lead booth or the sixth booth. Ed, uh, when, when we look at um, Tony Romo here in Dallas, uh, he's the most – polarizing uh, athletic figure in town and has been for quite a while. I wonder from a national perception if it's the same thing and why is it, is that part of the appeal of making him the number one analyst? No, I don't think it factors in. And uh, I I have a feeling uh, that uh, that perception uh, of Tony, as you describe it, uh, is more a local issue than a national issue. Uh, I find him to be uh, just uh, having an ingratiating personality, an upbeat individual, uh, the kind of a guy's guy, the kind of guy you want to spend time with. So uh, maybe it's just that convincing that difficult Dallas Cowboys fan base at times uh for any player uh, on the Cowboys, they set the bar high. The fans set the bar high. The owner, Jerry, sets the bar high. Uh, so I think it's m- more of that uh, than anything else. And, and I've written that this is a, dr- a giant challenge to put him in the in the a, in the number one booth. Um, but and people's response to me was, "Are you kidding? It's easy. It's easy to be." Uh, 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 an analyst in an NFL game. It's easy to do a broadcast. How easy is it? Well, I've I've said this for years that I feel that the most difficult analyst job in the world is doing football, whether it's college or pro. So why do I feel that's more difficult than baseball, basketball, hockey, you name it? 
very simply over the course of three hours, the play-by-play guy shuts up every 15 seconds at the end of a play, turns to the analyst, who has to be brilliant time and time again, and he has to get his point made in 20 seconds or so before the next snap of the ball. Doing that time and again for over three hours is extremely challenging. And the trouble that broadcasters get into is when they're forced to speak, when they really have nothing to say, and you can't have something pertinent to say after every play of an NFL game. That was the magic of John Madden, who, by the way, happy birthday, John. He was 81 yesterday. John could take nothing and make something out of it. When he can make a star out of an offensive lineman, you know he's a Hall of Fame broadcaster. We're joined by Ed Gorin, the former president of Fox Sports here on the Ballsy Podcast of the Dallas Morning News. And Ed, you brought up the play-by-play man. And just as somebody that has a ton of experience in this business and evaluating uh, talent and chemistry, how do you think Tony, his uh, personality is going to mesh with one of Jim Nance, who is a household name that everybody, uh, everybody adores for the most part? Well, fabulous. Uh, when I was at CBS, uh, I found Jim Nance in uh, Salt Lake City in 1985-86 and brought him to CBS. Uh, Tony could not have a better partner working with him than Jim Nance. Uh, he will help Tony. He will bail him out at times. Uh when necessary, uh, and uh, Jim Nance is, uh, uh, as I said, he could not have a better partner uh, to work with, and a, a great production team, Lance Barrow, uh, a Texas boss, and uh, Mike Arnold, uh, the director, uh, Lance being the producer of uh, the games. That's a pretty damn good team. And how, do you, how is it that you, uh, in your business, identify someone, oh, this guy's going to be a star. Because, you know, quarterbacks retire every year. And and if it's Peyton Manning, I get it. You know, this is a guy who's on commercials. He's funny. He's he just terrific. And I would guess that Peyton Manning would be a fabulous uh, analyst. But on a Tony Romo, when the public has such little exposure to him, it's a press conference after a game. It's maybe a couple of quotes during the week. And and frankly, most of that time in, in those things, he's he's fairly dour. You know, and it's not like there's a lot of personality showing. What what is it about that that makes people go, "Oh yeah, this guy is going to be a star"? Well, I think it's the most difficult uh, challenge for an executive uh, to identify uh, talent and uh, those that will work out well, those that won't. Uh, I've been fortunate. I mean, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Terry Bradshaw, Howie Long have been on. Uh, the Fox pregame show from day one since 1994. It's been the number one show year after year. I think it's a little easier to identify guys who can work well on a pregame studio show. A lot more difficult uh, to identify somebody who, over the course of three hours of an NFL broadcast, is going to uh, do well. Uh, I think that's why you see so many changes through the years. Uh, 
gotten lucky along the way. I, I mean, when John Lynch came out of uh, the NFL, John could have had a, uh, and I told him this, he, he could have walked into any pregame show and he would have been fine. Uh, but I thought for John uh, that he should at least try doing play-by-play, which is a lot different, but more like what you did as a football player. You study film during the week. You're working with a team every week. You're in stadiums. So there are parallels, and I suggested to uh, John Lynch that you got to try it, because I think you can do this and do it well. And he did, and then he left Fox. Ed, are you saying that you're batting a thousand in in all your hires? Surely you must have hired somebody who no, dis- who no, disappointed no. you. No, no, no. I, 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 I'll put my batting average up against anybody, but uh, of course you have failures uh, along the way. Uh, you know, it's like going to Vegas. Uh, you, you, if you come out of Vegas winning your big bets and losing your small bets. You've had a great trip, so I've done okay on my big bets. Let's talk about firing people or just moving on from them like CBS did with Phil Sims. How awkward of a situation was that? How does something like that come about? Is it simply a uh, maybe a personality mesh in the booth, or is there something uh, from the uh, uh, the people that are making decisions uh, on top, or are they coming up with uh, that decision, even with you know contracts left uh, on Sims' uh, Sims' deal? I mean that that has to be there has to be some I guess, seed planted somewhere along the way for a move like this to happen. Yeah, I'd be speculating to, as to what exactly happened, but uh, it, one of the most difficult things, and in fact, I went to Jimmy Johnson at one point because I, I was going to have to let uh, one of our announcers go, and I said to Jimmy that you had players who played for you at the, in Miami at the U and then played for you with the Cowboys. And you get to a certain point where it's time. And guys don't necessarily want to walk away. They, they all feel, a lot of them feel, hey, I still have another year in me. And he had to cut guys who went to war for him year after year. And I, I was looking for advice. And the advice he gave me, Ed, you're screwed. That's the most difficult thing I ever had to do as a coach. So uh, it's not easy. Uh, what goes into it? Uh, sometimes uh, the business, uh, and I tried to stay away from this, but the, the business would be the flavor of the year. Everybody, uh, this guy coming out, he's going to be great. you got to hire him. Uh, that's not always the best path. And as far as, you know, how difficult, go back to that play-by-play deal, uh, analyst deal in the booth, you know, Peyton Manning is now going through his second season since he retired. And it wouldn't surprise me that Peyton looks at, you know, that broadcast booth and uh, doing games that, you know what, that's a a tough gig. And for someone like Peyton who has excelled in everything that he's done, uh, maybe he's thought twice that this is not the best thing for me, and that's why he hasn't uh, done a TV deal yet. And when you signed Troy, 
Was there an out clause in his contract that he could go back and play if he wanted to? I don't think there was an out clause in his contract. I don't think there was an out clause in Jimmy Johnson's contract when we first signed Jimmy in 94. But if either of them had come to me and said, I got an opportunity, uh, I would have tried to make that happen. Well, Jimmy did, didn't he? Uh, didn't he go back to the Dolphins? Yeah, well, one of the things in our very first press conference, uh, some writer said, well, why did you sign Jimmy Johnson? He's going to be gone in a year. And very simply, the answer was he was the most recognizable coach in the NFL, coming off the back-to-back Super Bowls, and a guy that was made for television. Other than that, there was no reason to sign him. And yes, after two years, Jimmy uh, got offered the only job that he probably would have left Fox for, and that was the Miami job. Uh, and you know how that ended up, and he couldn't wait to get back to Fox. But yes, we did let him go out. So could you envi- But can you envision the number one analyst at CBS, whoever it would be, Tony Romo, it is, c- could CBS stand for him to to say you know what i i, I gotta go back i gotta go back and play i gotta go back and play for the for the texans or at the end of the, yeah could, could that yeah, could it, that possibly it, happen no i mean when i say no what i'm really saying is jimmy johnson got offered a lot of uh opportunities to leave fox and as i said the only one that uh, was going to take him away was miami i i think Tony, every player feels they have one more game in them. But the idea of a quarterback coming in in the middle of a season to join a team, I, I, I think it's just fodder for writers to speculate. And I, I just don't see it happening. It, it just, I mean, it, I could see it in some other sports, but you're talking about an NFL quarterback. Do you think that Tony could come back? Ed, you've been terrific. I, I just want to point out, you missed, I, you and I have known each other for 20, 25 years. I've talked to you. You've heard my analysis, and you never offered me a job. Why? <laughs> <laughs> That's why he hasn't. He's heard it. Because I've listened to your analysis for 25 years. Oh, my God, Ed. Oh. I mean, shouldn't this podcast be example eight? Or be cool? oh, yeah. and, and thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're probably on a beach somewhere in California. Uh, uh, no, but I, I'll head out to Palm Desert tomorrow after a couple of days pretending I'm working in Beverly Hills. I'll be on a golf course tomorrow. There you go. Ed, thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Barry. This has been fun. Be well. Thank you. He's, you know, he. He's an amazing guy. He, yeah. he he was at CBS for for years before he went to Fox. He built that whole Fox. Everybody laughed in 1994 when Fox got got the NFL. Well, sure, coach. it was the network of the Simpsons. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and, nobody and, took it seriously. And, and off he, the top, and he built and he built the whole the whole NFL 
studio, the NFL teams, you know, the broadcast teams. He, he did a great job, and and he's a very friendly guy. Fantastic interview. I guarantee you, though, guys, that if this wasn't going to be publicly consumed, he could have given us so much more because there's probably a million stories he has oh, yeah. of all sorts of personalities. I will say this about him, the fact that he discovered Jim Nance. You know, Jim and I uh, were at U of H at the same time. We yeah. had the same business law he, class. He could have fact. discovered you instead. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing about Jim. So did you know, Jim walk up to the group and say, hello, friends? <laughs> he, he was back then, and that's when I was covering U of H. University too. of Houston. Yeah, so yeah. when I got out of school. And and Jim worked locally. He was a radio guy. But he was just, he was a nice guy. I knew him. I'd see him and say, hey, Jim, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? And you just never thought anything more about it. You didn't think, oh, my gosh, this guy is on the way. He is going to be a superstar. You know, then he, 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 did, the, the, he did Guy Lewis's uh, TV show. And then he went to, was it Utah? Is that where he went? He was in Salt Lake City when CBS, when Ed discovered him. Ed discovered him. I was, I was in Dallas. He could have discovered me. <laughs> I, I think I, he I'm, made the right choice. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I so. think history's treating that decision I'm, I'm, pretty well. I'm pretty yeah. bitter now that that <laughs> you know I was here. I talked to Ed. Ed, you know what's going on? We 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 chat. Maybe if you'd used a better voice. Oh, oh, oh Ed. Maybe if I called Ed my <laughs> we friend. We could all use better voices. <laughs> Not yeah, you. You're you're, nah. you're 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 pretty good. There's hints of mesquite still in my voice that I'm trying to get rid of. <laughs> oh my god, that's good though. But well, that, was, that was good. We got an, an insider's look yeah. at, at 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 what it takes. Um, you know, he's. But I cannot tell you all the people who've come up to me in the last week or so saying, "What does it take? You get on, you talk for fifteen seconds. You talk. It's it's the easiest job in America." And I think that's a credit to the guys who do it. Sure, who make it look easy. And nobody hears the producer shouting things in your ear as you try to, you know. Describe a graphic as you try to, you know, get back to the play. That's that's a very tough job. And man, Ed was a great get. And uh, Barry, if you want to produce my Sunday show, we could use a no, crack producer like that. No, get, getting us guests like that. But getting a producer. When I told him we had a producer on the show, he goes, "Podcasts have produced. Here's a man who's been a producer all his life in in TV. Sure. And and he goes, "You have a producer, hey. and and we do. And we're changing producers now. Doug is walking out. Line change." Tom- Tommy is walking in. Is Lindy Ruff here? Or is, is, he, is, is he coordinated? We're, we're it on the fly. Lindy's got time on yeah. his hands now. You know, so the, thing, the thing that I still struggle with is this idea that you, you identify a guy and you think, yeah, here we go. He's the guy. Because, because of what I, what I just said when I asked him that question, tell me what you've seen Tony Romo do in an interview, or in public, other than when he's playing, that makes you go, oh my gosh, he's going to be terrific. But you know what Ed would tell you, uh, and he's told me this a lot of times, he said, Troy Aikman was never a sizzling interview. No, he was not. When he was in the Cowboy. He said, but if you talk to him on the side, if you, you know, playing golf with him, you knew that... So he, are you saying that the, the CBS people have done that? I don't know. Uh, you, you know no, because uh, Sean McManus, the president of CBS Sports, who, who hired uh, Tony, said he talked to him at a cocktail party at the Super Bowl and immediately identified him as somebody who he wanted to hire. You know, this is when CBS did the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. We laugh at that, but we're living in an age where the viewer or the listener, there's such a premium on what they can relate to. Oh, and yeah. I feel like if you're having a belt with Romo at a cocktail party and he's you know, uh, giving you a, a decent conversation or breaking something down, like you know, something he might have to do on a Sunday— you might look at that and go, you know what, this guy, and I think that's what Cowboys fans, the ones that love Romo, always liked about him. They felt he had sort of a common man vibe about him, and if he can tap into that working with a guy like Nance and still do the meat and potatoes of breaking things down on third down and looking at the defense, dude, he is going to 
thrive in that role. Maybe not initially, but I think he'll endear himself enough to the common football fan to where they'll give him a pass for at least a year or well, two. Well, I don't think he'll get a pass because half the people watching True. will, will – Hate the Cowboys. Yeah, Philly, Washington, and right. New York. Philly, Washington. They, they, they don't like the Cowboys. And then he, the biggest mistake I think Tony made in his uh, conference call when he got the job was he says, "I'm going to be, be, I'm gonna, I'm be rooting for the Cowboys. Yeah. I'm going to be pulling for the Cowboys." That's he should have wor- said that. That's the worst thing. And because now, because even when you're not pulling for the Cowboys, people say, "Oh, see, so he's pulling for the Cowboys." Now he's admitted that, right? Uh, th- that a huge got, mistake. That got a huge groan. Well, a huge mistake. Yeah, but that's a teleconference. That's not him at a podium. Uh, you know, but but that, that's the kind of like like Troy gets that can get buried. Troy gets ripped all the time by Green Bay fans. He, right. he said that they you know you don't like us, and they, and I guess maybe in, in one sense maybe that doesn't matter what what these fans and individual teams think about a guy, but. Uh, I think it's evident that that uh, that t- when Tony said that he doesn't get the business, right. he doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand what you're supposed to be doing. We didn't talk about this last week in regards to the change, but is this a very reactionary move by the networks and the league after a year where numbers were simply down across the board? I know they spiked up after the election was over, but do you think that uh, maybe some are going, "Wow, we need to we need to do something now before you know we deal with another year of lower numbers well i think cbs wanted to make the move this year because they have the super bowl next sure. year and they didn't they didn't want to have a rookie next year Get polished having, having having to do the super bowl also tony romo was available and i i got to believe that, that somebody there convinced them that peyton manning wasn't coming yeah i think that's pretty clear uh, now cuz i think that, that that was their number one hope you know, that how, was, could, how could he not be? That was that See, was. See, I dream. get that. It's like, and I'm going to go back to another Cowboys quarterback who was tremendous on TV. He was better on TV than he was on the field. Danny was, White? No. Oh. That was Danny Don Meredith. Oh. But, mm-hmm. but, but Meredith, you knew what he was going to be like. This is the way he was around. He was funny. He was fun. You know, he was that way all the time. And so you, you knew he was going to be like that. But you know what helped make Meredith? Cosell helped make Meredith. Yes, he did. No and, question. And, and he helped, cause, you Such know, a contrast there. Yeah, You know, absolutely. Meredith went to NBC in the middle of that. He was on Monday Night Football. Then he went to NBC. He was, eh, you know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't great. And then he went back to Monday Night Football, and, and he was Dandy Don again. Right. So, so you know, it, it matters. I think Jim Nance, and, and I think, Kevin, you made a good point. As strange as it might sound, wow! Nance will have a lot to do with Romo's with how Romo does. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think you, you obviously you need that's well, that's what Ed was talking about. That you have to have somebody to hold his hand a little bit, and but I just don't know, you know, how that works when you talk about the the, the time frame to be able to say exactly what you want to say in twenty twenty five words, fifteen seconds, in fifteen seconds. That that is a that is a real skill. But are we entering an era of play by play, especially on the television side, where it's not the announcer having to call the game like you would hear on a radio broadcast? Right. I kind of feel like that as we go further and further, people want more of a running commentary instead of you know nuts and bolts play. Well, that's play. what Joe Buck does does with Aikman. Right. Sometimes you. you you know, he throws in analysis. I mean, there too. might be two downs that go by where Troy might be making a point. Yeah, you know? but but here's the thing: I want to know what what if what if Tony gets in there and wants to talk about stuff he used to do? Is it like, well, you know, when I was a player, I did this, I did that. Troy never does that. Well, he, here's the thing: when they get to the Super Bowl, and and Jim Nance can't turn to to Tony and say, "Well, you were in this position," you know, what right. what was Super Bowl week like 
for you. What What did you think? Was it a different? You can't, you can't ask uh, no, Tony no, that. No. And I don't know. I, I I would take issue a little bit, Sean, with the the everyman thing about Tony. I, I I've never perceived him as an, he was when he got here. You know, he's a free agent, right? And then he kind of uh, he evolved into something completely different. You know. I mean that goes back to the the Cabo thing. More of a rock star. Yes, yes, and he thought of himself. But as a again, rock star. I'll I'll defend my point. People love that. People love it when every man turns into something bigger than they probably should. I, I, be. That they do when you have success with it, right? But Tony didn't really have that success, and I and I'm not. Listen, I've always defended. It's a different Tony. bar in a different market. I think. It I think is. if he was in San Diego, people would be like, "Oh, man, Tony Romo's a legend." But eh, here I don't know. I you know Philip Rivers. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, listen, I've, I've always defended Tony here because of the things that he had to endure and the things that you know. If Troy Eggman had been the quarterback, we saw what he did with those last few Cowboys teams, which yeah. were terrible. And he just got himself beaten to death. Mm -hmm. And so Tony just inherited the same kind of thing. And any success they had was largely due to Tony. Yeah. So chicken salad. I don't think there's any question about that. I just think that that there are people who, as we said, this is the most polarizing character in town. Athlete. In town. You said we didn't say. Well, well I said. think that's true. Speaking of polarizing, people have a very split opinion on what's happening tonight at the American Airlines Center as we record this podcast. And that's Tony Romo in a uniform. Going through the layup line, I'm sure there's going to be a couple moments during the game where they honor him. I know Dirk's going to get on the mic before the game and you know pay tribute to uh, number nine. This feels very make-a-wish. And <laughs> considering the week Tony just had, and we all listened to the press conference right before we popped on with Ed, and he talked about how at first he felt a little embarrassed by this, but I guess he got over it. And, you know, he's had such a whirlwind of a week, you know, all, what, 600 text messages and hundreds of calls he's missed on his phone that he's trying to catch up on. It just feels, I mean, obviously it's the end of the Maverick season, so if you're going to do it, you have to do it. But it just feels so surreal. Like, I can't imagine Dirk Nowitzki wearing shoulder pads on the sideline of a Cowboy game or Adrian Beltre going out for, you know, the uh, uh, the shoot-around and skate before a game with the Dallas Stars when he's done. It just, it just feels very, very odd, very Did, surreal. Does this have Mark Cuban... His name written all oh, over. Oh, I guarantee you, Jerry oh, and Mark absolutely. easily signed. Hell, if, if Mark could have signed him to a 10-day contract and gotten away with it and had him play in trash time, Mark would have absolutely done this. We're talking about a guy who, let, let, let's not forget in the early days of the Mavericks, Rodman crashed on his couch. You know, that was a circus. He went uh, toe-to-toe with refs. He would run on the court and be told to, sh- hell, he served soft serve at Dairy Queen, you know, to make a point about uh, all the fines he was getting. This, you know, it's been a long time since we've seen that Cuban, but now that the team's not in the playoffs, this this is a very Mark Cuban move. It is a very Mark Cuban move, but the, but the point is, is that Tony agreed to it. You know, it's one thing for Mark to say to Tony, hey, come out here to the shoot around and then we'll suit, we'll suit you up during the game. And, I, and I'm just thinking when, when, when Tony says it's a little embarrassing, yes, it's a little embarrassing, I think. You were, you were a great NFL player, or at least a very good NFL player at the very least, and you're going to come out here now and you're going to sit on the end of the, match the entire game. What would have been wrong with him coming out before the game in a suit or whatever he wants to dress? Cowboy jersey. Ca- you know, Cowboys jersey. Backward cap, whatever. They, they present him with a Mavericks jersey with his name on it, and then uh, I believe, Barry, as you had suggested, they let him do it an honorary tip, right? What would have been wrong with that? You honor the, you're honoring the guy. And that would have been great. And he's not going to be subjected to this embarrassing 
thing, spectacle of sitting at the end of the bench. I think it's embarrassing. It's like a whole day because it's not just the game. I mean, we had yeah. the video of him at shoot around, and he brought his older son, and they played around, and that was good. He stayed out of the way. That's, that's that would be good enough to do that. He could have done that also. I totally. Hell, he could have even been in the layup line beforehand, but to sit on the bench with a uniform on, that's something that thousands of guys along the way have just bled for and never got the opportunity to do. I mean, could you imagine, seriously, think of the Cowboys and all those guys that work so hard and might not even be active on game day. How do you think some of those guys at the back end of a roster would feel if, I don't know, they bring Dirk or whatever former Maverick Green say, yeah, you're going to be a Cowboy for a day and sit on the sideline with your pads? I think Brandon Bass would have been a great tight end. <laughs> well, probably so. Brandon Bass. Sure. He's a pretty good NBA player. Yeah. He's been he's had a long career. Would J.J. Barea be the Cole Beasley? Yeah, that, I think that's right. That's a good comp there. But but seriously, how would another how would another franchise, how, how would another NBA franchise deal with something like this? Yeah, you know, I, I'll just go back to what I, what I said before. I, I, it's one thing for Mark to suggest it because this is what Mark does. You know, this has been a bad season. You know, he, he, this is a good way to go out. You know, you get a nice big crowd. You get a lot of attention. And we all know how much he loves attention. But the fact that Tony agreed to it, I, I have to wonder if maybe, is he getting something out of this? I mean, is Tony? something else? Uh-huh. Is, is, is Mark said, hey, and you and I will go into business together on some venture? I got to wonder if maybe there is something else happening here because why in the world would you want to do this? Is this Dirk driven? I mean, Dirk's an idol to many, probably even many professional you mean athletes. like he asked uh, Tony to do or it? Or maybe he had some influence and Dirk said, hey, come on, do this. I don't know. This I is don't... cool with me because – you heard during the press conference how much Tony gushed about Dirk. I mean, he spent a couple minutes talking about just how much he admires sure. that guy. And if that guy's not on this roster, if this is just a, a random team of spares that's not making the playoffs, I don't think Tony does this. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, and and, that, and maybe, that's, maybe that's the deal. I just I think no matter what the Mavs want to do in this whole episode, I'm just surprised that Tony agreed to it. All right, let me ask you guys this question. I know we got to wrap up, but let me ask you this question. Uh, a, a cowboy friend of mine, guy, someone I know, bet me that this would be the highest-rated game of the season. Tony's not going to play, and he bet me this highest-rated game of the season, aside from when Dirk, aside from when Dirk, thirty yeah, uh, k went, went over thirty k. What did that pull? Do we? Do anybody remember? I I don't, and I apologize for it. But it was because a good great. number, a good number for a Fox Southwest broadcast is what four? Oh my God! I mean, like like Rangers key games and opening day. Well, Rangers over there. the weekend against the Masters did about a three five or That's, three six, which I thought was the Masters. Real, wow, was was really good. The Masters did it a little better, but so I'm sure the Dirt game got a somewhere around a four. Yeah, I don't, you know I don't know. I'll go back. I'll go back and look at that and check that and. And former readers of Hot Air and the Dallas Morning News on Saturday. <laughs> you know, Barry can't double dip on this stuff. He's never happy. You yeah. know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true because that's that's what that's what li- that's what life's all about: double dipping, especially <laughs> when especially when you go to Ben and Jerry's, uh-huh. or when you take a CBS gig and you get to be play fantasy camp with the Mavericks. You might as well double dip there too, yeah, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. but but I, I I don't think the rating will be that. I, I can't imagine. The, are they are they gonna have a Romo cam at the game? Oh, I I would be surprised if he's not on the broadcast with Followell for a little while. Yeah, I yeah. don't know how that plays out with the whole, the whole Fox even, CBS even thing. Even that would have been fine, right? Sure. Just just to say, come down come down and sit with us for a little while. Hell, call the whole game if they would have greenlit it. Yeah, you know yeah, that but, would have been a highly rated broadcast. Yeah, I would frankly I would have had liked that more. Sure. Because then we all could have heard what he was like. Who who cares about seeing him sitting on the end of the bench? And Denver's done. They're not. 
They're right. eliminated from the postseason, so nobody gives a rip. Yeah, so this would be a good chance just to see what it was like. Why didn't you suggest this last week, Sean? Why didn't you suggest this Mark had heard that and done that? You think Mark listens to anybody? <laughs> Mark? <laughs> Mark, I don't, I'm don't. i sure one thing he doesn't listen to is, is our podcast. Or maybe he does. Oh, he, he loves this podcast. Does yeah. he? Oh, yeah. yeah. He loves Evan Grant. I know that. Yeah. And we're going to talk to Evan this week as we talk Rangers and the, as they embark on a nine-game road trip. So be sure to download that. And, uh, man, once again, thanks to Ed Gorin, the former president of Fox. Just fantastic stuff. Fox a lot Sports, of insight. Yeah, he was yeah the- just tremendous, tremendous stuff there. So for Kevin, for Barry, I'm Sean Bass of The Ticket, and we will talk to you next week on the Ballsy Podcast, a product of the Dallas Morning News. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.